If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! It's very inspiring to see Nemours addressing that because it's something that certainly in most of my career, we really barely scratched the surface on. I mean, we we were addressing the medical issues, in my case with kids with disabilities, also some of the educational issues, but the impact on health of all the social factors, we really never were able to address in in any meaningful way. So it's very inspiring to see that that's now become a a goal of of the care that's given. And I think that's, that's great. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and that is the voice of retired Nemours pediatrician, Dr. Stephen Backrack, on the principle of well beyond medicine. That, of course, is the philosophy that is at the core of Nemours' long-term strategic plan, a strategy that sees the expansion of the impact of our work outside of our walls to anywhere children live, learn, and play. When Dr. Backrack joined Nemours in 1987, he became a witness to, and a driver of, the changes that would occur here at Nemours that helped set the stage for Well Beyond Medicine. The transition from an orthopedic-only institution to a full-service pediatric hospital. The establishment of a world-renowned cerebral palsy center. The building of a new hospital in Orlando and the evolution of Nemours Children's Health into a full-fledged pediatric healthcare system. Today, he'll share some highlights of his distinguished Nemours career, memories of patients who inspired him, colleagues who have become friends, and his perspective on change, retirement, and the Nemours culture that brought him here. Our conversation begins with how and why he started in medicine, specifically pediatrics. Here's Dr. Stephen Backrack. How I got started in medicine is I was actually a straight science major in college and had not planned to go into medicine. I enjoyed science, but I realized I did a year of graduate school. And during that year, realized that I didn't like being in a laboratory all by myself, that I really enjoyed interacting with people. And so that's when I decided to switch to medical school. And I went to Tufts up in Boston for medical school and then came to Philadelphia, which is where my wife was from and where we, I had met her here in Philadelphia when I was in grad school, and I came to Children's Hospital where I did my residency. After that, I had a job at a place called Children's Rehabilitation Hospital. I was there for nine years. And at a meeting in St. Louis, I met Dr. Dowdy, Dr. Bob Dowdy, who had been my residency director at CHOP. And he told me he had just recently come to DuPont, AI DuPont, which was as it was known back then. And uh, I said, gee, I'd like to come visit. So I came for a visit and uh, decided this is where I wanted to work. What was it that kind of won it over for you? What was it about Nemours that this is where he wanted to work and spend your career? Probably the biggest thing was the challenge. Uh, when I came to see the hospital, it was, the new building was up and empty. It was really in the transition from being just an orthopedic hospital to being a full-service children's hospital. And the challenge was to develop a children's hospital almost from, from the beginning. 
something I couldn't imagine doing. So it seemed like quite a challenge and sounded like fun. And it was. And I want to go back just briefly. What made you want to pursue pediatrics? When I was a medical student, uh, well, really even before medical school, I had worked uh, as a camp counselor. I enjoyed working with children. And in medical school, it was really only either pediatrics or child psychiatry that uh, kind of attracted me. I clearly wanted, I just enjoyed working with children. Are there science majors, scientists, engineers, uh, medical folks in your family, parents, grandparents, et cetera? Not at all. No, my parents were uh, German Jewish refugees from Nazi Germany. They came here in the late 1930s. They were able to escape in time. My grandparents were all killed in, in Germany, but my okay. parents were able to escape. And so um, my father and grandfather and the family were all butchers. And that was the family trade. My father always encouraged me to do anything but be a butcher. But no, there was no one in my family who, who was a doctor. Well, I'm sorry. Sorry about your family. Very much so. Talk about getting to Nemours that first day, the new building. The building was there. There wasn't probably much in it. What was your first day like? Do you remember? Actually, I do. Um, Ann Riley was Dr. Dowdy's uh, secretary, and she was the one who oriented me. She got me started. But I remember the first week, more than the first day, but the first week, uh, not having much to do and being worried that this job wasn't going to last very long. That feeling didn't, didn't last too long, but I started in November, so it was, uh, and again, at that time, I was the only full-time general pediatrician. Um, my job was to basically provide pediatric consultation to the orthopedic patients. There was no pediatric inpatient service. There was very little outpatient. I was going to, I got started with uh, cerebral palsy and Dr. Miller um, and I worked together for 30 years. He, he hadn't started yet. He started about a month or two after I did, and we got the CP program going. I was a little bit worried, but as I say, in the outpatient area had a lot of modules that were not being used, the inpatient as well. There was only part of the inpatients. The building was built for a much bigger hospital than it was at the time. And what year is this? 1987. November of 1987. You weren't quite sure what was going to happen, but it, you stuck around until 2016. Talk yep. about the progression of your career. You've been a teacher, a mentor. You've done faculty development. You were the associate chair. Talk about all of that. So, as I said, the challenge was in helping develop a children's hospital. And that's really what my 30 years was like. As I said, when I started, I was the only full-time general pediatrician. Uh, Kathy Drzezinski was a nurse practitioner who was part-time and worked with me. Over time, the division grew. I recruited new people. We started an urgent care center, I believe, in 1989. Uh, which then grew to be a full-service emergency room by the early 1990s. But just developing that was a, a, quite a challenge. Planning for physical for an emergency room, planning for the staffing. Same with the inpatient service. We recruited uh, Dr. West is still with us. He was one of the pediatricians we recruited. He covered the inpatient service at night and then the urgent care center at the same time. You know, again, things just grew exponentially. My own job included working in the emergency room, working in the inpatient, working in the outpatient area. It's a little bit of everything. Uh, there was even one weekend I remember working in the intensive care unit because the people who were supposed to cover it didn't come in. And so I ended up working there for 24 hours as well, which was something I was not used to. When I started, we didn't have an intensive care unit. It was actually just a room on the third floor of the hospital. But then the intensive care unit got started by Dr. Ketrick. 
We didn't have a residency program or medical students at the time. So that got started also in the early 1990s. There was a residency program at Jefferson and a residency program at uh, Christiana Hospital. And the two combined into one program uh, based at DuPont, at AI DuPont. And we had our residents at both locations. And again, that grew, started, I believe, with maybe 10 or 12 residents and grew exponentially. You know, I was involved with really all those those things over the years. I remember when we started Morning Report, which is something that you do with residents. You report on the cases you saw the night before. And again, it started off in a small room that probably held 10 or 15 people. And uh, we outgrew that space very quickly. Grand Rounds was in the room behind the cafeteria. Again, probably held about 30 people. And uh, again, grew over time. So basically, the my overall sense of my experience was just of growth and, and developing new programs uh, along the way. Talk about that a little bit more. Talk about how the technology has changed. And then I want to ask you about how the Nemours culture has changed and developed, if it has. In terms of the changes, I have to say everything has changed. There's There's so little so little resemblance of what it was like when I started to to what it's like today or even to when I retired. Physically, in terms of staff, numbers of staff, the kind of programs it runs, I mean, it's all all enormously different uh, than it was. But I think the core values, that's hopefully stayed. Primary care practices, I mean, none of that existed uh, when I started in 1987. You know, now we have practices all over, and then the, the Moors in Florida. Uh, I was actually involved in some of the planning for the physical hospital in Florida as well. They invited some of us. I was not the only one, but a number of us were invited down to help do the planning. I flew down to Florida a few times and helped them kind of think about their their inpatient facility. It was very nice to see the new hospital opening up. I would say what I, what I really attracted me to Nemours, in addition to what I've already mentioned, was the the culture. It was clearly very oriented towards doing what's best for children. For instance, I was, as I mentioned, um, helped develop a cerebral palsy program. It's a very intensive, time-intensive practice, at least my part of it. The surgical part might generate money, but the medical part doesn't, uh, can't possibly pay for the amount of time that's spent on it. Um, but it was a program that was felt to be important. And so I always felt supported in, in doing that program, even though I probably didn't make any money for the hospital at the time, at least not in that program. But the, the culture was, and has, I think has remained, very focused on what's best for, for the children who come to see us. That has kind of always been a core, core principle. Certainly one of the things that attracted me and I think has, has remained, at least through the time that I was there. Did you get close to your fellow associates? I know you've named Ann Riley and several others uh, who we've had on this show previously. Uh, did you become close to them almost in a, in a family sort of way? Very much so. Again, many of the people that I worked with, I worked with for 30 years. I mentioned Dr. Miller and Kathy Trzinski. The three of us and Marilyn Booth were all involved in the CP program and worked together pretty much for 30 years. We all retired around the same time. Started around the same time and retired around the same time. But beyond that, again, when the hospital was small enough, you really could know everybody on the staff. Um, And that wasn't possible anymore by the time I retired. But it was certainly felt like a family. I remember being at lunch and listening to the stories of the people who had been there before me talking about the old institute when it was really in the just in the original building, um, and what that was like. 
But even in, in my experience, it was, it was a small family-like place. And in fact, even today, I get together with uh, many of the other doctors. We have a group that meets uh, for lunch roughly every four to six weeks. With COVID, we've been doing it by Zoom. But we were, you know, trying to meet in, in uh, Wilmington once, once every month or two, about, about 10 or 15 of us who get together. So it's really brought you a lifetime of uh, friendships and relationships. Right. Absolutely. I want to ask about the CPD program. Tell me a little bit more about that. Go into some detail there. It sounds like it's a big highlight of your time at Nemours. Yes, very much so. I uh, didn't have any formal training in dis- disabilities, but it was something I had kind of been interested in even as a resident. And my first job uh, before I came here was to Nemours was at a hospital called, it was originally called Children's Heart Hospital and became Children's Rehabilitation Hospital and was a hospital for children with chronic illnesses and disabilities. And that was my interest. Uh, there was no fellowship at the time, but once board certification became possible, I got board certified in neurodevelopmental disabilities. And that was a big part of my practice. Again, DuPont was known for treating these children because of the orth- preeminent orthopedic program. And so that continued. We got patients really from all over the country and, and other parts of the world as well. It was always a challenge, but one of the things that was really inspiring were the families. Again, the range of disabilities could be from mild to pretty severe. I tended to see uh, the more severely involved children because of they didn't need me if they were just had mild problems with a hand or a foot. They would see the orthopedist for that. But if they had multiple medical issues as well, those are the ones that came to me as well. And the dedication of these families to their children was, was really quite inspiring. A lot of these children had had problems that, well, most of the children had problems that were never going to go away. And some of them were, you know, mild enough that they could go to school and, and succeed in life. And others uh, were never going to really go beyond um, being severely disabled. And yet the parents always showed them love and, and dedication. And it was a pleasure to be able to help them as much as I could. Is there one family maybe two in particular, that you recall from your, your tenure that uh, stay with you today? For sure. Uh, one family I can think of um, had twins. These were their first children. They were born prematurely, and both of them had significant problems. There was a boy and a girl. The boy had auto- ended up having autism, but was physically fine. He was ambulatory. And the girl uh, had spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy, so she was in a wheelchair, but she was very bright. And um, one of the interesting things is that she was, she at some point was, uh, as a teenager, was experiencing depression. And I referred her to one of our psychologists, Dr. Sheslow. And not only did he help her, but he inspired her. And she actually became a psychologist uh, and is working as a psychologist today in the Philadelphia area. I was also became the medical director of a school in Philadelphia for children with cerebral palsy called HMS School. And many of our children that we saw in the CP clinic also went to school there. And I became the medical director there. And actually, I remain on the board of that school to this day. And one of our uh, patients who's a student, actually gra- just graduated this past year, just was a, a lovely girl. Her mother was a single parent, very dedicated to doing the best for her. And she just did beautifully. She, she um, did, didn't do much talking, but she was able to communicate with her device. And um, she was a big fan of mine. And uh, whenever I saw her at the school, she was always excited. And her mother would always tell me she had heard that I had been at the school that day. Uh, I was usually out there once a week. So, and then it was very nice to see that she had graduated this past year. 
It sounds like you're very active, even in retirement. You did retire in 2016. What kind of drives you to to keep going? <laughs> well, I don't want to get bored. I knew I would miss seeing the patients, and uh, I have missed that. But I haven't missed the daily, uh, I guess, the responsibility. It's, it's it, was, it was something of a weight lifted off my shoulders the day I retired that I didn't have to uh, worry about phone calls and back then pages um, anymore. I haven't done any clinical uh, practice, but I've done some uh, teaching. I was involved in the summer student research program that Nemours runs last summer. As I mentioned, I'm on the board of the HMS school, so I was the medical director there. But when I retired, I, I went onto the board. I do some volunteer work in Israel at a hospital there that, for children with disabilities as well. But nowhere near as, as busy as when I was working. Um, I've had more time for grandchildren. I have 18 grandchildren, so that's a, a good part of my life. None of whom live right here in Philadelphia, so I have to. We have to travel to see them. But luckily, most of them are on the East Coast. Uh, not most, all of them are on the East Coast. Um, this past year, my daughter and son-in-law took a year off during COVID and went to every national park in the country, and I was able to join them for three separate trips: one, a trip to Alaska, uh, a trip to the Dakotas, and a trip to the Virgin Islands. None of which I've been to before, so those, those, that was great. I'm involved in my synagogue. I uh, actually took on more responsibilities after I retired, so I helped run the services. I'm a runner. I actually ran all the years that I was at, at DuPont. I always ran, tried to get out at least twice a week to go running. In the early days, we were able to run on the estate, but that, that wasn't allowed anymore after a while, so we started to run basically through the, there's a trail and not, not far from the moors through the woods. That's, that was very nice. And so I've kept that up. I run three times a week. I do some biking basically staying active. Sitting down in the cafeteria back in your younger years, you would talk to some of the folks who were longer tenured at that time. What would you say to somebody sitting in the cafeteria today who might approach you and and ask for career advice or ask for words of wisdom? Um, If the advice was about retirement, which I guess I could speak to better now, I would say prepare for it. You don't want to go from working 100 hours a week or 80 hours a week to zero from one day to the next. It's it's rather abrupt. I was fortunate to be able to cut back a little bit and work you know, a few days less a week. And so if you can do that, if you can work four days a week instead of five and maybe gradually decrease, and not every job allows that, but if that's possible, that's, that's one possibility. But also just think about uh, retirement. What do you want to do? What keeps you going? Is there some parts of your work that you want to keep doing? And again, I was able to, as I said, remain a little bit active in, in some of the research and, and teaching pieces. And I know some of my colleagues who retired around the same time I did have also still involved at, at uh, Nemours. So if that's possible, that allows you to kind of gradually disengage as opposed to going cold turkey from one day to the next. I think that uh, makes it a little bit more, more tolerable. Do you ever think about I'm, I'm guessing thousands of children that you've served throughout the years, where they are today, how they're doing today, knowing that you had a, a positive influence in their life. How does that feel? It feels very good. I mean, it, it always it, it felt good at the time that I was doing it. As I said, the most gratifying part was was the interaction with families, the part that I enjoyed the most. The reason I went into medicine was the interaction with, with children and with families. I think that pediatricians in general have a tremendous advantage in that they get to see the growth of the child over the years and 
Sometimes uh, I did see some patients come back with their own children. Again, because of the nature of the children, I saw that wasn't common, but it certainly uh, did happen. Overall, I can't imagine doing anything different in terms of my career. I, as I said, I wasn't headed for medicine when I went through college, but once I made that decision, I never looked back. It was, it was the right thing for me, and, uh, and I loved it. And certainly, if people ask me about going into medicine, I know it's, there are lots of challenges, and uh, things have changed in medicine, but it's still the core of, of the practice of you know, interacting with patients, helping them grow and be healthy. That hasn't changed, and it's, if it's the right thing for you, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do with a career. Dr. Stephen Backrack is a pediatrician retired from Nemours Children's Health, where he served in the Delaware region from 1987 until his retirement in 2016. Dr. Backrack name-checked many of his contemporaries during our conversation, including Anne Riley, whose podcast episode we'll link to in the show notes today, and Dr. David West, Nemours' Chief Clinical Informatics Officer, who will be the guest next time on the podcast. We're always seeking new topics and new stories for the Nemours Champions for Children podcast, and our May, June, and July interview schedule is now wide open. If you or someone you know would like to share their story with their fellow associates, email us at podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. The podcast is found on Nemoursnet, the Nemours Now app, your favorite smart speaker, and any place you find your other favorite podcasts. Our production team includes Allison Kraft, Deborah Griffin, and Peter Adebi, and as always, we're grateful for their support. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turners Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Dr. Stephen Backrack, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.